Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 6. This is Lesson 14. Uh, we're going to continue where we left off. I'm on page 46 in Chapter 20. And uh, what I want to do is begin by reading the um, commentary by Leon Morris, where he says again, With the sunshine, Jesus links the rain. Just as the sunlight, rain comes on good and bad alike. God does not limit His blessings to those who serve Him faithfully, even to those who oppose Him, who are unthankful and evil, He gives many good things. Hallelujah. Now, one of the best examples of God's goodness toward those who don't deserve it is the story of Jonah. We read in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says there, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, <coughs> verse 2, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So, first of all, I want you to notice, this establishes the fact that they were actually evil and unrighteous. Okay, <laughs> I want you to notice that God says to Jonah, get up, go to this city, cry out against it. Now, what we're going to find out a little bit later on, is that Jonah does not want to do this, because he's kind of worried they're going to repent. <laughs> okay, And, you know, see, this is a person that's not loving. This is a person that says, well, you know, if they're going to be this way, well, they deserve to be punished, let them be punished, and I'm not going to be involved in their salvation in, what, in any way or form. The Jews had this real issue about, you know, other people receiving blessings from God, and, you know, they, they sort of had this kind of exclusive mentality and I think some of them still do today, but anyway, uh, you know, but they, had, they sort of had this kind of exclusive mentality. And Jonah was in this position. God is saying to him, go, and what he says, you know, he says, go and cry out against this city. He didn't say to go out and uh, pronounce blessing over the city. He said, cry out against this city. Because he said, their wickedness has come up before me. And see, this is what's so puzzling in that, you know, you don't see Jonah's motivation till later on, you know, you find it out. But you look at this and you think, well, why doesn't this man just get up and go and do this? Obviously, he knows this is a bad place. Obviously, these are bad people. I mean, it's come up to God and God himself has said, you know, the one that is, is long-suffering, okay, and his mercy endures forever, says to, says to, to um, Jonah, go to Nineveh and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. He's saying, there, yeah, it's so bad that, you know, it's actually come up before me. And look at verse 3. But Jonah, and Jonah said, Yes, Lord, I'll go and do what you ask. Because, bless God, I want to get in on this. And besides that, I want to do your will. Is not what he says. This prophet of God, it is in verse 3, says, But Jonah arose to flee. Okay? To Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. How, how silly is this? How can you get away from God's presence? It's not like you can go somewhere and God goes, Oh my gosh, I can't actually do that. I can't follow him because, you know, he's on a ship now and I can't... <laughs> you know, okay, you know I'm going with this. Alright, obviously this is a silly thing. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things before I carry on anymore, okay? First, notice that Jonah is running from the word of the Lord. Alright, remember, he had said, go and do this. And the next thing, second, he is running from the presence of the Lord. So he's running, he's, he's, you know, he's trying to get away, first of all, from God's word, and what God wants him to say. And second, he's getting away from his presence as well. That's why it says in verse 3, But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Okay, so however we know that all his attempts to do uh, either failed. Okay, it, how can you get away from God and his word? And after 
are being threatened by a violent storm. Now, I am, I am condensing all of what happened after this into this, this one sentence. Uh, you know, I've said here after being threatened by a violent storm, thrown overboard, and then being swallowed up by a great fish. Remember, <laughs> you all know why he was thrown overboard, right? Because they were on the ship. I, I got to share this with you, okay? They were on the ship. And I mean, it was, there was a storm, and it was a supernatural storm. It was so bad. They just did everything they could, and they decided something is wrong here. This is not a normal storm. I think that is, that, that's extraordinary that they were able to look at it, and you know, they're sailors, man. They know a storm when they see one, and they know something that's off when they see it. And obviously, they saw it and thought, something is off here. Somebody has offended God in some way. We need to find out who's done this. Isn't that incredible that today all we'll say is, well, brother, it's all the atmosphere and all the stuff that's happening out there. And, you know, there's no God involved. And this is just all natural and normal and geographical and whatever. Hey, hey, hey. Back then, they had more sense. Isn't that sad that we have less sense now than they did? But back then, they had enough sense to go, I don't care what the atmosphere is doing. This is different. This is God. So they went and found out, you know, long story short, Jonah fessed up and said, I'm the one, okay, <laughs> all right, and, and so, that's why I always say, you know, when, when you're in a storm, check to see if you're Jesus or Jonah, okay, if you're Jonah, you need to repent, all right, if you're Jesus, then rebuke the storm and shut it down, but in, in Jonah's case, he didn't want to repent, they, you know, so they tossed him overboard, all right, which is what I think a lot of, you know, churches want to do with some of their pastors, just throw him on overboard, okay, but they got to do this, they got to toss Jonah overboard, and remember again that the storm ceased, and this huge fish, everybody says it's a whale, it's not a whale, we don't know what kind of fish it was, something massive came along and just swallowed him up, all right, and then, and he got a submarine ride all the way to, to where he was meant to go to. So, uh, to Nineveh. So, you know, that, that was the first submarine ride somebody had, kind of thing, you know what I'm saying? Okay, which is pretty awesome. Anyway, uh, and remember again, Jesus makes mention, by the way, of, of that incident, and he said, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so the Son of Man will also be in the, in the center of the, or the belly of the earth. So anyway, so that was, a, that, was, that was quite a significant thing that happened there. But again, this is all out of God's will, okay? <laughs> He's running away from God, so all of this happens, you know, he gets swallowed by great fish and then you know Jonah finally surrenders and decides to obey God and then so we get to Jonah chapter 3 verse 4 so let's go from there and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk then he cried out and said yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown so I want you to notice he says he puts a time limit on this all right he says 40 days and you're all done for it's over okay now (laughs) I think this is incredible Watch what verse 5 says. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth to show their repentance from the greatest to the least of them. I want you to see something here. This is a huge turnaround from, for a city that God himself said that their wickedness is so bad it's come up, you know, come up before me. So you know, notice that something extraordinary is going on. The only way that I can explain this, and you know, let me just put my two cents worth here, okay? The only way that I can explain this and, and sort of, you know, what I believe is going on was there are some people, you know, they do the wrong thing and they know they're going to hell. You know, they know, okay? They know that, they, 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 you know, th- their deeds are going to catch up with them one day and it's not going to be good. And, you know, they just keep going and they always think they have another day and they have another day and, you know, some, somewhere they'll repent per- perhaps and, you know, if they get an opportunity to do that. But what happens when somebody comes and kind of puts a time limit on it? You know, it's like 
like somebody coming and saying to you, you got cancer. You're going to live 40 days. That's it. You're going to die. So you better get all your, your affairs in order. What do you think will happen? You probably repent really quickly and go, oh, I need to do something about this. Forget about it. You know, one day I'm going to stop this and do that. I have to do one day is today now. Okay. <laughs> and everything becomes like now. So I just believe that's probably what happened. I, I just believe that these people in their heart of hearts, and you need to always remember that God is always speaking to people in their hearts. He's always, you know, moving, uh, you know, on the inside of people, trying to get them women on the inside, but from the outside, whatever way that he can, trying to get them to repent, trying to get them to get to a place where they're living a better life and, and doing the right thing. And, uh, you know, his, his spirit strives with mankind, you know, just all the time. And you need to realize that, that, you know, when the time is right, when people have, you know, when the Spirit of God has been on somebody and they've sort of maybe been rejecting Him and rejecting Him and then suddenly there's a, there's a, a ray of light gets through and they think, you know what, maybe I should do this. Maybe I've been running from God. And then God tells you, you need to go and talk to this person. And you say, well, you know what they're like? They're terrible. I'm not going to go talk to them. You know, the last time I spoke to them, and see, this is now going on what you, you know, think is going to happen. The last time I spoke to them, they laughed at me and they ridiculed me and everything else. Yeah, that was because you tried to do something out of God. God's time. That's what happened. Now it's God's time. Now you need to listen. Now you need to go and do what God's asking you to do because the door is open now. And so those moments are just so important that you do it right then because they're ready. And you know, they've, it, it's like these people in Nineveh that the, the time is right. The fruit is ready to you know, be picked. You just need to go pick the thing. <laughs> right? And so that's why I believe that as soon as Jonah proclaimed this, as, jo- as soon as Jonah cried out and said, in 40 days. He says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. They knew that time was up. They knew that all of their bad deeds had caught up with them and it was time for them to just repent or be taken over, be killed, be whatever. You know, everything that they sowed, they were going to reap. <laughs> okay? And so, uh, watch verse 6. Oh, excuse me, verse 5. Let me finish with verse 5. It says, So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth. This is to show repentance, okay? From the greatest to the least of them. So everybody got involved in this. So there was not one person that did not do this. I mean, this is an incredible thing that from the greatest to the least, they all proclaimed a fast. You know, proclaiming a fast is a big thing, family. You know, I mean, you know, we say, well, God will get up early or whatever, but going without food, man, that's a whole other thing. You know, because every five minutes, your body says, mm, I'm hungry. It's like the, the kid that says, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? That's what it's like for your body when it, you, you put it on a fast every five minutes. Are we there yet? <laughs> okay? And uh, it's a difficult thing to do. And for them to do one of these things, uh, you know, for people that are evil, um, you know, I know your mind goes to some religious person that does it. Uh, don't go there. I am talking about some person out in the world that does whatever they want, whenever they want, putting themselves on a fast. Are you getting this now? And for something that they really didn't believe in. Okay? Uh, I mean, these people obviously didn't believe in God. And it took Jonah to come and say this when they, for them to realize that, my gosh, we're in trouble. There is a God. And judgment is coming down on us. And we better do something about it. I think it's extraordinary the lengths to which they go. Verse 6. It says, Then the word came to the king of Nineveh. Watch this now. Not only does it say that all of these people, the people of Nineveh believed God, but it goes on to say in verse 6, Then the word came to the 
king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne. And you know, he didn't say, well, you know, this is all bunk. I don't care, man. I'm royalty. Forget about this. <laughs> okay? We've we've been on top forever, and we're gonna, you know, so to speak, and we're gonna keep doing this. And uh, I don't want to believe any of this. He didn't say any of these things. I think it's incredible that it says, and he arose from his throne. And laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. I mean, he himself left his throne. It was, it was, you know, uh, what's the word that uh, that describes that? It's, it's, it's like a visual. Okay, it's, a, it's a foretelling. It's, a, it's something. It, it's something that shows that he realized that, you know, what there was somebody greater than him. That even though he was the king, he was going to leave that position and leave that station and come and and repent like everybody else is repenting. Wow, I think that's incredible that he, you know, he gave up his, so to speak, uh, power and authority and put himself under God's power and authority. That's what I see anyway. Alright, and so I, I really love this. Verse 7, And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh uh, by decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast... Okay, I can just see, you know, somebody's dog or cat going, Now what? Okay, why, why, how, how come we're not getting... Okay, watch it says, Neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, do not let them eat or drink water. I can just see all the animals and the pets going, What happened? You know, you wake up every morning, you feed us, and suddenly there's no food. We go to the bowl, and there's nothing there. I mean, even the water is gone. What's the problem here? <laughs> okay? <laughs> I mean, you know, this, this is extreme, family. I mean, when we go on a fast, I mean, how many of you put all your animals on a fast when you go on a fast? Are you kidding me? They'll be all over you every five minutes going, feed me, feed me, I need to eat now. I mean, like right now I need to eat. If you've got cats like I do, well, especially one of them, oh, dear God, it won't shut up. <laughs> it just goes on and on and on until you stick something in front of him. And, and this is a boy cat. Anyway, <laughs> somebody goes typical. But yes, yes. Uh, and but you know can, uh, you can just imagine the the ruckus that this caused when he said nobody eats not people not animals and I mean I'm sure there were kids forget the animals there were kids going I'm hungry mom I need something to eat right now okay and they can get really nasty kids you know when they get hungry they get all kind of anyway so. Uh, verse 8, it says, But let man and beast be covered, this is the king still talking, uh, with, with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Notice what he says to do. It's not just go without food. He says that you are to cry mightily to God. In other words, you are to acknowledge his existence, acknowledge that he is now upset that he is about to do something and what he is about to do is a very real thing and we need to cry out to him and make sure that that we let him know that we're sorry basically okay and it says yes that everyone turn from his evil way and from violence that is in his hands notice he's saying this is what we do we cry out to God mightily in the way that says, we'll never do this again. I know we've been ho- horrible. I know we've done some horrific things in our, you know, in our life. And, and, and you know, as a nation, we've been terrible. But we're turning from our evil va- ways. We're not going to do this any longer. And I think it's a very you know, interesting that it says that, uh, notice again, it says, Yes, that everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. In other words, he's saying, stop doing the wrong thing. In 
other words, he's saying, not only are we going to tell God, we're not going to do this, you know, we're going to, not going to continue in this way anymore, but we're going to stop doing anything bad that we were doing as well. Everything just shuts down, okay? Um, and so, verse 9, it says, Who can tell if God will turn and relent? In other words, he's saying, you know, maybe, just maybe, God might back off, <laughs> okay? Just maybe, it won't be 40 days. We'll have the rest of our lives, alright? And so, he says, who can tell if God will uh, turn and relent? And turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Did you hear that? Okay. Verse 10. Then God saw their works. Did you get that? It said God saw their works. That they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. I think that is extraordinary. Notice what the king said. Who can tell if God will turn and relent? And what the very next verse says, Then God saw their works, that they had turned from their evil ways, and God relented from the disaster that He said He would bring upon them. And watch this, in other words... You know, no longer did they just have 40 days left on their calendar, okay, of their life. They, they just had the rest of their life. Alright, hallelujah. Now, this is incredible. This is how God loves. And what He expects of each and every one of us. Can you see what happened, you know, when they, when they repented, God didn't back off and say, you know what, no. Okay, it's too late. You know, it's a little bit too little, too late, or whatever. I don't know how it goes. Anyway, something like that. Uh, he doesn't do that. He doesn't look at you and say, you know, I don't care if you repented. It's too late. You've just done so much wrong. You can't just say sorry and then everything just is forgiven and we just move on. And this is why am I saying that? Because that's what we do. That's how we treat people. That's the thing that we usually get hung up on. You know, you know what? It's a little, you know, too little, too late sort of thing and whatever. And you're just like, yeah, I'm not ready to forgive you and I'll never forgive you kind of thing because you've just done too much. You know, you crossed a line. You know those lines that we draw? You know, God doesn't draw them, you draw them, okay? <laughs> and you know, you just sort of say, well, you've crossed a line and I'm never going to forgive you. Thank God, God didn't do that. I mean, these guys crossed the line, so to speak, so many times. And yet, when they repented, God said, fine, no worries. You know, okay, and, and he, that, the thing you, I want you to see from this is what we see is the way God treated these people as horrible as they were, he was forgiving towards them. And then he says, Jesus is saying that we need to be in the same way. We need to make sure that if somebody repents, that we forgive them. Now listen to me. If people are doing bad things against you, okay, and if, you're, if they're doing the wrong thing, and they're not repenting, you know, you, 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 you must not keep uh, whole grudges and you know, uh, be mad at them and so on and so forth. Listen to me. You need to let that stuff go. But you, and you can love people from a distance. Okay, I've said this before, that if you need to love people, do it from a distance. But don't ever live in hate. Don't ever you know, uh, live in strife. Okay? You need to make sure that you're not in strife. That you are constantly in God's love. And that whatever situation that you know, is going on, as you are led by the Spirit, you do the things that God asks you to do. If He says, you know, they're not ready, then they're not ready. Don't try and make them ready. Don't let some preacher come and, you know, preach a message to you and, and get you all convicted and, 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 you know, suddenly just out of obligation or whatever, you go and do something and then it, you know, just, you fall flat on your face. It doesn't go well. And then you think, you know what? See, that's the thing. This stuff doesn't work. No. Listen, it's not just about the Word of God. It's about being led by the Spirit as well. You need to be led by the Spirit. Timing is 
crucial in things like this. So, you know, that's why I said, when if God leads you in a certain way, then go ahead. But if He's not leading you in that way, stay, you know, you might need to stay away from people, but please do it in love. Don't do it in strife, okay? Because it will affect your ability to move the mountains in your life. Okay, I keep telling you that over and over again. Now, once again, you know, in this, we see the way God responds to these people, and we get a picture of the way that God wants us to respond. So I've said here, this is how God loves, what He expects each and every one of each and every one of us. However, in the case of Jonah, as it is with so many Christians today, he did not want his enemies to be shown any mercy whatsoever, even though they had repented of their sin, and actually complains to God in Jonah chapter 4 and verse 2 and says, our Lord, was, was not this what I said? See, now, now we find out what his problem was. He says, our Lord, was not, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled uh, previous to the Tarshish. So see, this is what he, his complaint was, what? Again, we only find out now, what if they repent? I don't want them to repent and then you turn away. I want you to kill them all. Okay, I want you to take them out. And so he says, this is the reason why I didn't want to do this. All right, He says, for I know that you are... Watch, this is incredible what he says now. He says, I know. See, Jonah wasn't guessing this. Jonah says, I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. I really wish more preachers knew this, and I, I really wish more Christians knew this, that God is this way, that God is gracious, that God is merciful, that He is slow to anger, and, and don't blame God for everything that goes wrong in this world, saying, well, see, that's God's right. He just got mad, and He just let them all have it. When Jonah himself, somebody you know, that just did not want to forgive people, knew about his God in this way. He knew that his God was gracious. He knew that his God was merciful. He knew his God was slow to anger and abundant uh, in loving kindness. And one who doesn't really want to harm people. He's not out there with a big stick looking to see who he can hit over the head next. Amen. So please don't put yourself in that, in that boat and don't expect God to do that with you because He is not like that. In verses 3 through 8, Jonah feels sorry for himself. <laughs> okay, And I really you know as we finish off, it's really interesting to see this. He feels sorry for himself, wishes he was dead, and while he sulks, this is what usually Christians do, you know, when they don't get their own mail, and sit there, you know, sulk, sulk, sulk. God prepares a plant to give him shade. All right, I'm, I'm just shortening all of this out really quickly. Then a worm comes and eats the plant, <laughs> okay? And then a scorching wind blows on Jonah. And it says then in Jonah chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he, that's Jonah, said, It is right for me to be angry, even to death. I mean, he was so mad. He was mad to death. <laughs> angry to death, okay? And so he's saying, I'm very, very mad. Okay, and, G, and isn't it incredible? I've said here, this isn't righteous anger. This is selfish, self-centered anger. In other words, it's all about little old me. You know, he was willing to get, let everybody die. And, you know, Jonah, uh, then, then God shows, uh, uh, you know, mercy towards them. Now God is showing, that same mercy brings about a plant. That same mercy is trying to look after him. And, you know, and God teaches him a little lesson here. He, he, he shows him kindness, and then this big worm comes and eats it. Okay, then this wind blows on him, and it's just like, he's very upset. He's just like, dear Lord. You know, and God is saying, now are you, you know, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? 
Because you did Jonah make it grow? No. God made it grow. Alright? In spite of Jonah's really bad attitude, God still was trying to protect him. And I reckon it was because of his bad beep 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 attitude, okay, that the worm came along. I don't think that worm would have come along if his attitude had changed and said, Thank you, God. I am sorry. I repent. Think about this remnant family. If he had repented and just said, I'm sorry God, you know, I'm, I'm, I've just been wrong about this. And uh, you know, forgive me. Forgive me for, for being self-centered. And, and forgive me for being you know, unloving and, stri- and just full of strife and hatred. And all the things that you tell us not to be. Okay, you said to love your neighbor as yourself. And I haven't been doing that. And Okay, if he said all that, I guarantee you family. I guarantee you that plant would have remained there. Okay? However, he was, you know, you have a bad attitude. And this is what... This shows you something that even though God tries to bless you, your bad attitudes will bring out the worm and make sure it gets rid of it so that you have something else to be upset about. Okay, because that's, that's kind of where you want to be. Well, you can have that. If that's what you want, you can have that. Okay, so, is, is what basically happens because your will overrides everything else. Verse 10. Uh, but the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And verse 11, And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, watch, in which there are more than 120,000 persons. This is not the population of of the city. These, listen what he says, who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, referring to the number of infants alone in the city. Those who are too young to discern between their right hand and their left. Okay? And he says, and much livestock. So in other words, God is saying, the animals uh, are innocent. The children who don't know their right hand from the left. You know, those infants, they're innocent. And he say, he's, God is saying to Jonah, do you want me to just kill everybody? Because you're having an attitude. Because you want them to suffer. Because, you know, you don't want, you don't want me to, to be uh, merciful and gracious over them. Isn't it interesting? And, in, and in, again, he says, do you not see the whole picture? And can I just say this, family? And this is why I always say, you know, if you're having trouble loving and if you're having trouble sort of understanding, uh, you know, how God sees things, and you're thinking, God, you know, how can you love that person? You know, I, I just can't see it. Go to God. Allow, you know, allow Him to show you. Allow Him to to help you to see things through His eyes, so that you look at something and go, Oh, I get it, God. Thank you. I see it now, and I understand. And uh, yep. I can pray for them, God. I can, uh, you know, I, I, I can do all the things you ask me to do with the right heart now. Not with a grudging attitude, but with the right heart. Because I see what you see. And yes, I, I want them to experience your love and your kindness and, and salvation and everything else. And, oh, whatever. Okay? Uh, and, and again, don't do this in the flesh. Do this in the spirit. All right? And let me just conclude, because we're out of time again. God's attitude towards His people, as sinful and as barbaric as they were, and famous for it, was mercy before judgment. He gave them opportunity to repent. They took it. And as a result, He didn't destroy that city. Now we're going to leave it there, and we're going to come back uh, right there on page 48 next time. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you today for this privilege and opportunity to be in your word once again. And we thank you, Father, for all the wisdom, the insight, the revelation that you've given us. And I thank you, Father, for everybody in the sound of my voice, that they receive this into their heart, that they are blessed, and that this word multiplies on the inside of them. I thank you for minds that are renewed, and that hearts, Father, that are changed 
and turn toward you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being here today. And you are all dismissed.